Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvat Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but we would love to meet you in person. All are welcome, and that includes you. So if you want the full experience, please join us Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service at the corner of Arthur Ashe Boulevard and Grove in the historic synagogue across from the art museum. Can't make it in person? No problem. We are also live streaming on YouTube. Contact our administrator at tikvatdirector at gmail.com for the link during the week or contact us on our website tikvatisrael.com. There, you can also support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and find helpful resources. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. I'm going to share a little bit about the way my brain works. Hopefully it won't be too scary. But um, something that I have to do is I have to write things down in order to remember them. If I have a conversation with someone and I don't make some sort of note, it's like it, it never happened especially if there's like an action item. How many of you are, are also like this? You need to make sure, okay, okay, some, most of you, okay, good. I don't feel so weird now. Thank you for that, for that validation. Some people have like a calendar in their head. They know what they're gonna do, you know, the next day or the next week, but I don't, I don't have that. There's no calendar up there. So every evening I check my calendar for the things that I'm going to do the next day so I know what I'm doing and then I can confirm my appointments. I also have like a little journal that I use for my weekly tasks and prayers and vision so that I can stay organized. When I read the scriptures, I also have a little system that I got from my mentors. I pray for a specific category and then I read a different section of scripture starting with the Torah portion. There are 10 different bookmarks in my Bible. If I don't get to all the sections, I just pick up where I left off the day before. If you'd like to print off your own bookmarks based on this system and put your own prayer guidelines, you can send me an email at rabbidavidwine, W-E-I-N, at gmail.com. And I mentioned it before, and a couple people have taken me up on this, so feel free. I'm not going to send you my personal list, but I'll send you the, a blank list with the different books of the scripture laid out in 10 different sections so you can do it. So anyway, here are my personal categories. Number one, I will pray for my wife. And then I will read a chapter of the Torah portion, which is, of course, the first five books. And then before I read section two, which starts in Joshua, I will pray for my son. Before section three, I'll pray for my wider family and my wife's family. Before section four, I'll pray for some of my close friends and their families and some of my mentors. Section five, I pray for the Jewish community in Richmond. Section six, I pray for John 17 unity and the body of Messiah in Richmond or the church of the city. What do I mean by John 17 unity? Well, Yeshua, before he went to the tree, he had some final prayers. And we would say these would be of utmost importance because these were the last things that he said before he went to the cross. And he prayed that there would be unity and this is often spoken about in Christianity, in Yeshua faith, as unity in the body of Messiah, which it is. But the specific context is this. He said, I'm praying that you would be one, those that are in front of me now, with those that will hear the message later on. And the ones that were in front of him were Jewish. 
And the ones that would hear the message later on because of the efforts of Paul and things like that would be mostly the nations. So his prayer was that the Jews and the nations in Messiah would be one as he is one with the Father, that kind of unity. So that is what I pray, not just for unity in the body of Messiah, but specifically Jew and Gentile unity. Then section seven, I pray for Tikvot Israel members and attendees. I pray for leaders, staff, pray for our vision, our finances, and our calling to bridge and restore the relationship between Yeshua, the Jewish people, and the nations. Before I read section eight, now we're in the gospels. I pray for Jerusalem and for the land of Israel. In section nine, before I read that, I pray for the great commission, which is the discipleship of all nations. Number 10, I pray finally for myself or something that, you know, is on my heart that wasn't listed. So I don't read every section every day, but generally these are the names and places that I carry with me in my times of avodah, my times of worship. I've done this system a few times, changing up the names or the groups each year, you know, slightly. Once I was talking with a friend just talking about what my calling was and things like that. And he suggested that I pray for the nations and develop a heart for the nations. Of course, as a Messianic Jew, my heart has consistently been for my own people, for the Jewish people, to draw near to God through Yeshua the Messiah. But I had never considered that my heart needed to grow in this other way by praying for the nations. And so I did. I started you know, including that in my time. And as I did, I found that my behavior changed and I found that my heart changed. And if you pray for someone, how many of you know it does something, it does something to your heart as well as just blessing that person or that people. It does something in you. Gives us more of God's heart for that person and it takes us out of that kind of self-centered thinking. That's one reason I think that Yeshua commands us to pray for our enemies. And we have people that we don't maybe consider enemies, but they're annoying. They insult us. They bother us. We'd rather not. <laughs> Are you raising your hand? <laughs> you don't annoy me. <laughs> I love you, brother. But he, he wants us to pray for them so that we get develop our heart, a heart for these folks. Because the truth is, you know, we're also pretty annoying too sometimes. <laughs> and he wants to shape our hearts like his heart. His heart for that person or those, those people is so full, is so full of love. God blesses the evil and the good. He gives rain to the righteous and the unrighteous, as it says in Matthew 5, 45. And that's not like rain, like, you know, a punishment. That rain was, was what they needed in the ancient world to survive. He provides for everyone and we are made in his image. So we have to be like him over time. Let's conform our hearts to his heart over time. If you pray for God's kingdom for someone, especially if they're annoying, it's harder to hold a grudge, isn't it? Even someone that you don't normally think of, if you pray for them, God can change your heart toward that person. So the real question is not, who are you praying for? Whose names are you carrying? The real question is, who does God want to give you a heart for? That's a kind of a deeper question. And this brings us to another question. Perhaps a simpler question. What two cities does the Bible instruct us to pray for? What's the first one? Jerusalem. Okay, that was easy. I'll give you that one. All right, what's the second one? 
Ah, that's tougher. Okay, let's check out the first one, the scriptures about the first one. Psalm 122.6 says this, Shalu, Shalom, Yerushalayim, Yishlau, Ohavaych. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be at peace. Near the end of his ministry, Yeshua looked out over the city of Jerusalem and said this in Matthew 23. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those sent to her. How often I long to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate, but I tell you, you will never see me again until you say, Baruch Habab Hashem Adonai, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, or could be translated, welcome, welcome in the name of the Lord. Jerusalem is the center of Israel, and Israel is the center of the nations and the whole universe. And you guys probably thought the center of the universe was Ashland, but I would say that uh, the scripture says it's Jerusalem. But Jerusalem doesn't just represent a city here. What does it represent? It represents the Jewish people as the holy city. Yeshua is asking for us not only to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, which we understand, but for the Jewish people's repentance and redemption to turn back to the Lord and say, we welcome you. Part of the gospel is a Jewish positive response to Yeshua. That is very important. It's very important to God's economy. And it's very important for the Lord to come back. This is what he's looking for. A positive Jewish yes to Yeshua. And some of us are the first fruits of that. Some of us are the first fruits of those who come alongside those who are saying yes to Yeshua. And this is very good. This is close to the Lord's heart, I believe. So we should pray along these lines. We should pray for Jerusalem, and we should pray for the Jewish people. But there's one more city we should pray for. Have you figured it out yet? Detroit. Okay, good guess. Well, if you are currently in Detroit, then that would be a correct answer. Because here's the answer from Jeremiah 29, verse 7. Also, seek the shalom of the city where I took you captives in exile and pray to Adonai for it. For in its shalom, you will have shalom. So we seek the good of the city to which we are exiled. I bet you didn't realize you were exiled here, but you are. <laughs> and so what other city should we pray for? For Richmond. And if you're listening or streaming from, you know, Bayonne, New Jersey or something like that, then that's, that's your answer. That's the second city. But not just praying for the people here, but what are we to do? We are to love and advocate, hope and bless and give. Jeremiah says, seek the good, seek the shalom of the city. Not just, you know, that involves prayer, yes, but it says in its shalom, you will have shalom. Your prosperity is caught up in the prosperity and the goodness that you're pouring into the city where you are exiled, the city where you live. So if we were to seek the peace of Richmond, we should also understand, I think, some of the history so that we can pray and repent for healing. Reverend Ben Campbell wrote a book. How many of you have heard of Ben Campbell? No? A couple of you? Okay. He wrote a book called Richmond's Unhealed History. He's been a figure in the Episcopal Church for, for many years here in Richmond. And he's one of the directors of and founder of uh, Richmond Hill, which is a Christian retreat center. Anyway... 
He wrote Richmond's Unhealed History, and he tells the story of the origins of this city where we now live. Two weeks after landing in Jamestown on May 24th, 1607, the colonists stopped at an island near the 14th Street Bridge here in Richmond. According to an eyewitness, they planted a cross larger than a man, and they wrote on it, Jacobus Rex, King James. An Indian guide with them asks what's going on, and Christopher Newport, who is there, says that this cross represents the covenant between Powhatan and James. And Reverend Campbell explains how untruthful this is and how the colonists would go on to exploit and murder and persecute the Powhatan, stealing their land, considering them to be children of the devil or savages. And what irritates Campbell the most is that they were using the cross, doing all of this in the name of Yeshua. As we pray for our city, for its shalom, we should be aware of the history so we can ask for God's healing. We can ask for God's forgiveness. Land where there is injustice and bloodshed is unclean until God brings cleanness, until God brings healing. After Cain murders his brother, the Lord responds to him like this in Genesis 4. Then he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me from where? From the ground, from the earth, Haaretz. So now cursed are you from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. As often as you work the ground, it will not yield its crops to you again. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. It's a little bit of a reversal of the creation story because the Lord said, let the earth, let the ground bring forth blessing. And so human evil, murder, Injustice, it reverses the order of creation. But what does the Lord want to do? The Lord wants to bring restoration. But we have to understand what's going on in this land, in this place where he has planted us. I mentioned this before, but the land where I taught for three years in Mississippi is known as the Delta. It's a diamond-shaped flat floodplain between the Mississippi River and the Yazoo River. And many folks that are spiritually discerning say they can feel the heaviness of that land when they cross into it. This is the land of the blues. This is the land where Emmett Till, a young African-American boy, was lynched at the age of 14, wrongfully accused. It's like his righteous blood cries out from the land, just like Abel's did in Genesis 4. So the work of prayer in that place is for repentance, and mercy and healing that only God can bring through us, through his followers. When Sherry Moore came to share with us from the Bema, this is the Sherry Moore from, from Maps Global, she shared about the former darkness that was over Richmond and how over time with prayer and worshiping, God was bringing light and healing to our city. She shared that when Rabbi Jamie Cowan came down to Richmond to be our founding rabbi. She said Richmond was a number one murder capital. And she was like, why are you going down there? This was in 1990. This was our founding rabbi. And then two years later in 1992, Sherry and her husband, Matthew, got a call from Rabbi Jamie down here and said, would you come? Would you come down and be the youth leaders here at Tikvot Israel? And of course she said at first, what did she say? No way. No way am I going to that place. But they, they agreed to take an exploratory visit. 
And she related that much as people, when they go to the Mississippi Delta, she had a similar experience. She said she felt a palpable darkness and she fell back in her seat along with her husband when she crossed over the boundary of the city. But the Lord said to her this, can you believe for a day that people will sense my presence in this place and not the presence of darkness? And with that, she was, she was convinced. And she didn't end up being called here. She was the youth leader right here at Tikvat Israel for many years, working with the Messianic Jewish youth in this very congregation. And she's just a few miles away today, but she continues to support us. She continues to pray for us. And she came and shared from the Bima about a month ago. So Baruch Hashem, God is still working. Prayer, intercession, and worship. All of our avodah changes things. It changes our hearts, yes, but it also changes communities. This is the message that Sherry imparted to us, and this is the truth. God is greater than darkness. And he has asked us in his word to pray for Jerusalem, no matter what's going on there right now, to pray for Jerusalem, to pray for Israel, and to pray for Richmond. In the beginning of this sermon, I began with a question about whose name is on your heart. And I shared a little bit about the names that I bring in to my prayer time. This idea comes from this week's Torah portion. It describes the clothing of the priests in the tabernacle. These are excerpts from Exodus 28, starting in verse 9. You are to take two onyx stones and engrave on them, what? The names of the children of Israel. Six of their names on one stone and the names of the remaining six on the other stone in the order of their birth with the work of a gem cutter engraving a seal etch the two stones in the order of the names of B'nai Israel, the children of Israel. Make them enclosed in settings of gold. Fasten the two stones upon the shoulder pieces of the ephod to be memorial stones for B'nai Israel, remembrance stones. So Aaron is to bear their names before Adonai on his two shoulders as a Reminder, make a breastplate of judgment, the work of a skillful craftsman. Make it like the design of the ephod of gold, blue, purple, scarlet, and finely twisted linen. Set it within two rolls of jewels. The stones are to be engraved in the order of the names of B'nai Israel, 12 according to their names, like the etchings of a signet seal, one corresponding to each of the name of the 12 tribes. Aaron will bear the names of B'nai Israel in the breastplate of judgment on his heart. Whenever he enters the holy place as a continual memorial before Adonai, also put the Urim and Thummim within the breastplate of judgment. That was to help the priest make decisions. So they will be on Aaron's heart when he goes before Adonai. Aaron will bear the judgment of B'nai Israel, the children of Israel, on his heart before Adonai continually. So they're in two places, right? They're on his shoulders. He's bearing the 12 tribes on his shoulders. Think about that. And he's bearing them right here on his heart. So what names do we carry on our hearts? What places, what cities, what peoples? There may be some to come in the future that God wants to give us a heart for, some that we have not yet asked about. I wanna encourage all of us to ask the Lord who he wants to write on our hearts in prayer. And as they say on the internet, the answer may surprise you. The priesthood is all about avodah, worship, priestly service, prayer, and vocational work. And we are all a kingdom of priests. We've talked about this. We are to carry names into the holy place 
and ask for the kingdom of God in their lives. Ask for forgiveness. Ask for the healing of our land. We are to seek blessing and redemption. And not only do we pray, but also we do. If someone or something is on our hearts, we give and we forgive in our relational lives. Not just in our prayer times, but we show practical kindness, practical love to the poor. We show practical love to our enemies and to those in our community. Now I want to close with a final thought. We understand that Yeshua is our ultimate high priest who goes into the Holy of Holies on our behalf. So whose name is written on his heart as he intercedes as the high priest forever? Whose name? Consider these scriptures. This is from Isaiah 49. But Zion said, Adonai has forsaken me. Adonai has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing baby or lack compassion for a child of her womb? Even if these forget, I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Isaiah 44. But now listen, Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus says Adonai, who made you and formed you in the womb, who will help you. Do not fear, Jacob, my servant, Jesserun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water on thirsty ground and streams on the dry ground. Thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They will spring up among the grass like willows by flowing streams. This one will say, I am Adonai's. I belong to the Lord. That one will be called by the name Jacob. Another will write on his hand, Adonai's, and will take the name Israel. And finally, this is from John chapter 10. But he who enters through the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. The shepherd calls his own sheep, what? By name. He calls you by name and leads them out. Are we his sheep? So he knows your name. The shepherd Yeshua calls his own sheep by name. That means that the Lord knows your name. He knows you. He calls you by name. And I think it means he carries your name as the high priest into the holiest place. He made his sacrifice on the tree, commonly called the cross, with your name on his heart. With your name on his heart. I recently met someone who came to faith in Yeshua over 50 years ago. And he told me at the time he had a revelation that Yeshua would have made the sacrifice just for him. For his one life, so profound was the love of God that he realized. And he carried that every day, even though it was 50 years ago and it motivated him. He was motivated by that same love even years later. I want to encourage all of us to ask the Lord to write some names and places on our hearts and to keep in our minds always that our names are written forever on his heart. Avinu, our Father, we thank you for your faithfulness to us, your goodness to us, your compassion on us. Pray that you help us to grow in love for those that are quote-unquote enemies or the other, that we might be able to pray for them and develop a heart for them. Develop our heart for those that you've called us to pray for, Lord. 
not just classic prayer times, but as we're doing laundry and as we're going about the way, we might pray in, a, in our prayer language. We might pray just quietly, Lord, but just help us to grow in our heart for others and remind us, Lord, of your faithfulness to us. We thank you, Lord, that our names are written on your heart. And in Yeshua's name we pray, amen. <laughs>